As we begin our time of worship this morning, I would ask that we would prepare our hearts to to worship our God this morning. I would invite you to follow along or to listen as I read from the book of Psalms, chapter 9. I'm going to be reading Psalm 9, um, verses verses 1 and 2. It says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Let us pray together this morning as we begin our worship. Father, we are grateful for your presence in this place this morning. We would ask that your Holy Spirit would fill our hearts and that we would be able to focus our minds and our attention to you this morning. Be with those who are leading in worship this morning, God, and may we seek your will and your ways in our lives. Father, we love you and we ask that you be with us in our service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Welcome to Founders Day at Bowling Springs Baptist Church. Today our hymns and uh, our worship service today is based on the foundation of the church. And that is not those first few people who brought together to form Bowling Springs Baptist Church. It is about the foundation that every church should be built upon, our Lord Jesus Christ. Please stand, turn to hymn number 338, and let's sing about that foundation. Churches are built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. pretend this is not Play-Doh today. Luke, do you see yourself on the screen? Yeah. Now you've realized you're up there. We're going to pretend this is clay. So who works with clay? What's a person? A potter works with clay. What does a potter make? Pottery. And what happens if he makes a mistake? It's broke. It starts over. Makes it better. So in my hand is Play-Doh, which we're going to pretend is like clay. But did you ever think about you being clay or a potter? You are. Last week we talked about being a glove and God putting, he's 
you're his glove and he leads you and he takes care of you. Well, you're also his clay. Every day he works on you and every day he makes you better. He leads you, he guides you. Just like the people who were founders of this church, God used them as his clay to make this church stronger. He works with them every day, just like he works with you. So you are, the God, you are his clay. He's making you stronger. He's making you leaders of our church, of our children. So when you think about being good and being strong tomorrow when you go to school, remember, you are God's clay, and he's making you the young Christian that you need to be every day. Right, Will? All right, let us play. pray. Dear Jesus, all these children and many more today are your clay that you are using to make into strong Christians who walk with you and listen for you. Protect them, Lord, as they are the beginning founders of a new day in our church as we celebrate the old, the new, and look forward to the future. Keep them safe. Listen to them. Protect them. It's in your son's name. Amen. All right, give everybody some play-doh. People want coffee. hymn that we're going to sing, uh, it was written by one of our past wonderful members, Tom McGraw. When we celebrated our 150th anniversary here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church, he wrote these words. It's to a familiar tune. It's almost when the saints go marching in, but it's not quite. So the first time through, the choir's going to sing it for you. The words will be on the screen, and you may remain seated and sing yesterday, today, and tomorrow after the choir sings it once so you kind of know what it sounds like. Thanks. as we sing it again.
stand together like when we met at the clear flowing boiling spring we worship the almighty we praise his holy name god we pray you will be with us on a journey Welcome to Founders Day. Before I share scripture and prayer with you this morning, um, I want to give an introduction to someone who needs no introduction to many of you, but we are p- pleased to have Dr. Buddy Corbin back with us today. Uh, Buddy and I became friends a few years ago in minister circles, if you will, in the state. We met each other. I don't remember. It was probably a CBF gathering or something else, and we became acquainted and just recently shared some coffee and well I don't drink coffee we shared something together Danish and something maybe I had a Dr. Pepper but um, we uh, we met up at Ridgecrest I was there for about three days doing some studying and planning for the fall and um, Buddy I knew was in Asheville and so I called him up and I said but at this time he was already scheduled to come and speak and I said Buddy I'm here at Ridgecrest if you want to get together and we can talk about Founders Day and so we did and we sat out there at a nice little coffee shop at Ridgecrest for about an hour and just talking and catching up and so Buddy we're glad to have you back with us today Buddy left Boiling Springs and spent 16 years at Calvary in Asheville. A good friend of mine is there now as pastor, and a former Sunday school teacher of mine is there within, uh, was in Buddy's church there. And Buddy, uh, after those years, has, is, and is now still a uh, chaplain at Mission Hospital there in Asheville. And so, Buddy, we are excited about you being back with us today. Uh, Buddy, I don't know, uh, there have been uh, some comparisons made uh, to, to my ministry here, they said, oh, well, this, this reminds me of, of Buddy Corbin. And, and at first, I didn't know how to take that. And then they said, that's a good thing. And I said, oh, okay, okay. So you, you left here well-loved and thought of, and uh, we're glad to have you back with us today. And, and I know you're in for a treat. And I love the sermon title, Finding New Founders. What a great and creative and thoughtful sermon title. Psalm 127, 1 and 2 will be the text and the basis for Buddy's time with us this morning. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps watch in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for this day. It's been a busy weekend here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church as we have said goodbye to one of those who we dearly loved, Sonia Jones. We pray for Lyman and Elizabeth and Mike and uh, family and others, Lord, uh, friends, and those who are, have a big loss, a big hole this morning uh, with the passing of Sonia. We pray you would comfort this, these family and these friends today, comfort this church family. Lord, we're grateful for your presence in our lives. Lord, we're grateful for the story that is Boiling Springs Baptist Church um, that originated many years ago and has taken on different pastors and different focuses of ministry over the years. But one thing has remained true and one thing has remained steadfast, and that is a focus on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Father, you are the reason that we are here today. You are the reason that we have been here, that we're here today, and that we will be here a hundred years from now. And so, Lord, help us to keep our eyes and our hearts focused on you. Father, our hearts are heavy this morning for those within our congregation this day, Lord, who need you in a special way. 
We pray for Sherry Cox, who's back at Shelby Hospital after being home for a few days from heart surgery. We pray for, uh, Lord, your steady hand on her, your healing touch. Lord, not only through doctors and medicine, but Lord, for your hand right now as well. Comfort and walk beside her in these days. And others, Lord, who are at home or in a nursing home today, uh, or other means, Lord, who are just going through a physical illness. We pray for your healing touch on their lives. Lord, for those that simply need encouragement today, we pray that that would be offered. For those that need to be challenged today, we pray that they would receive that challenge from your spirit. Lord, remind all of us, as you did throughout the Old Testament to the prophets and to those disciples in the New Testament when, when you issued the great, uh, great commandment and the great commission, that you are with us. As you said in the New Testament, lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And so, Father, when we live in a day and age when we question so many things and we're in doubt about uh, different futures, Lord, of institutions or of even of our country at some times, where things are headed, Father, we pray that we would be reminded of your presence in our lives, your presence within your church, and that, Father, we would seek to be your disciples as we go about our daily lives. Help us to love as you have loved us. And teach us more about what it means to love you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. Father, you desire today to work through your church, your church universal and your church here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Father, we thank you for Buddy. We thank you for his life and his testimony, his witness, not only here in Boiling Springs, but in Asheville and in many other places around. Father, bless him today as he comes to speak. Father, open up our hearts and minds and help us to hear the message that you would have for us. Speak to us in ways that we need to be spoken to. Father, bless the singing, the prayers, the music, the recognitions, and all the aspects of this service today and our lunch. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like everyone to stand at this time and sing on number 350, The Church is One Foundation.
Catherine keeping the pastor on track this morning. Thank you, Catherine. At this time, I'd like to ask Sherman Parrish to join me and Roger Lowe on the pulpit this morning. I tipped off Sherman right before the service today and said, Sherman, I will be asking you to come down on the pulpit. And he looked at me kind of strange, and I was a little intimidated by it, um, <laughs> to be honest. But um, uh, one of the things that Sherman wants to, and I'll let him mention names, but one of the things that Sherman was very cautious when he said, uh, when he realized what was about to happen, uh, when I told him that this morning, he was very careful to say, well, there are many other people that help up top and do what, what he does uh, with sound and video and all these different things. And so I'll let Sherman mention names, but uh, Roger's going to mention more details. But for over 13 years, Sherman has faithfully done one of those jobs in the church that often receives criticism, but rarely a lot of thanks. And so... Today we honor Sherman for his faithfulness. Many of you don't know the hours that he spends on Sunday afternoons and throughout the week. Uh, and uh, I may be taking away a lot of some of Roger's stuff, and if I am, I apologize. But uh, you'll hear it again. But uh, Sherman, Sherman could have threw up his hands and said, I'm done, when all this new stuff started happening. But he's doubled down and, and had even a stronger focus. So I'm going to let Roger continue with some recognition. Sherman, come on up, brother. Bowling Springs Baptist has been blessed with a knowledgeable leader at the helm of our sound and video ministry for the past 13 years. When Dr. Sherman Parrish retired from teaching chemistry at Gardner-Webb in 2003, God called him to the very time-consuming, unpaid volunteer position of running the audio-visual ministry here. In class, he used multimedia presentations to assist in teaching and taking over the AV ministry here was a natural fit. His discipline and organizational skills are everything you would expect from someone with a double major in chemistry and mathematics and a PhD in organic chemistry. One look at the storage spaces we use here, the control panels on the boards, and even things like the microphones on stage attest to the love and care he puts into making sure all of these things are available and working to make the ministry of the church go smoothly. Every Sunday when you leave here, Sherman stays behind for a while and gets the recorded service onto a DVD for our members who are homebound and in nursing homes. Copying the discs himself, he has them ready for distribution early in the week. He takes the audio from the service to Gardner-Webb, where it is uploaded to our page on SoundCloud, hosted by the campus radio station, WGWG. There are many events outside the Sunday service that need sound or to be videoed, like funerals, the spiritual growth sessions, senior lunches, the annual talent show, the Relay for Life service, and the list goes on and on. And these events, while seeming to be fairly spread apart, if you only go to one or two of them, happen regularly. And Sherman has for years made sure that he or someone else has been there to set up and operate the equipment necessary to have a successful event. We have a small team of people that have worked faithfully with Sherman over the years. Mitch Guffey, Steve Lennons, Willie Hamrick, 
Young Chang, and more recently with our upgrades, Aaron Blanton, Jay Washburn, Debbie Weiss, Stephanie Webb, and I hope I haven't left anyone out. And please see one of us if you are interested in helping with this ministry. I have been the staff person involved, but Sherman has remained the leader of this ministry team, diving in and studying manuals for the new soundboard, video switching equipment, an iMac, a presentation program that manages all of these slides and recorded videos that you see. You wouldn't believe how many pieces of equipment go into having these screens and a new sound system operate smoothly together. A lot of people in Sherman's position would have taken one look at all these new systems to learn and just said no. But Sherman has learned most of it by now and is continuing to study and conquer new challenges. He is the voice of reason and reality into what we need when we are thinking of how we can expand our capabilities. For instance, we have gradually moved from the handy cam to DVD videos of the service to recording from the video feeds that you see and some that you don't on the screens and the TV in the lobby. We discovered that old DVD players don't like our new DVDs. So Sherman took samples and visited the homebound and made sure that, uh, that our DVDs would play and bought them new players if they needed one. Sherman has, over the years, made sure that our homebound and those in nursing homes have been able to play whatever format we were using and knew how to operate these remotes. And Mayada Scruggs told me about a list of instructions that he left so she could navigate three remote controls. I would be very sorry if I said all this and didn't mention Joan. She sits up in the balcony with Sherman every Sunday and graciously lends him to the church whenever there's a need. They are here probably as much as they are at home. Maybe we should have gotten her a plaque as well. But today, today, we honor Sherman Parish and present him with this plaque and a gift card from his favorite store, Best Buy. Is, is that really a surprise? This isn't an excuse to retire, by the way. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, sort of caught me unawares because <laughs> I usually come dressed casually so I can work without having to deal with a coat and a tie and all that kind of thing. But I'm sure that the homebound people of our community and the nursing home people have really enjoyed what we have been able to deliver to them because it keeps them in contact with the church. And thank you. Thank you, Sherman. My mother was not a member of this church, but she never missed a service 
because of Sherman's work. And she would ask me, of course she wanted to know, was I there? <laughs> and I used to tell y'all who visited, I'm always here, y'all. <laughs> but thank you, it means, it meant mama was blind, but she could still hear the music and hear the preaching. She was unable to go to church. It meant so much. So I speak for many in giving a personal word of gratitude. Well, in our offertory prayers, we always thank God for the many ways he's blessed us. And mostly, at this time of the service, we focus on our financial blessings because that's how we're able to give our tithes and our offerings. But on Founders Day, this is a day we remember another one of God's blessings, people, people in our lives, people in our church, so many faithful members today, so many faithful members who've gone on, and they left behind for us their witness and their legacy of love, love for the Lord, love for one another, love for this church, love and faithfulness to the mission of the church. So after the offertory prayer, we're going to hear uh, the recorded testimonies from seven of these individuals. This video was recorded on the occasion of our sesquicentennial in 1997. Their names will appear, I think, once, but I'll read them so you can be uh, know who you're seeing. Helen Hamrick, Rachel Hedrick, Miriam Glenn, Mildred Poston, Velma Walker, Matt Heinlein, Lanceford Jolly, Brooks Piercy. These are just some we have recorded. Okay, let's pray. Dear Father, on this day, we do thank you for the lives of those who have gone on before us, those who have served you faithfully through this church. Father, help us to honor them, and we know that the way that we do that is by the way that we live and the way that we serve today. Help us, O oh Father, to heed the call that we find in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, call us today to greater faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first one I remember was a wooden church way down in part of what is the Gardner-Webb campus now. Uh, I remember that it was a beautiful uh, church because of the uh, stained glass windows. And later, that church was sold to Green Bethel. When it had big dome, you don't see that kind of architecture anymore. It had a big dome, and it had a up around the balcony, and the walk up there had banisters. 
And I can remember when I was a kid, I was scared to death I'd fall over those banisters, you know, down to the first floor. And uh, the women, I think I'm right, the women always sit on the right side and the men always sit on the left side. They never did sit together, you know, as a family. And uh, it was a beautiful building. I hate it was torn down because it was so pretty. It was uh, up where the, up right across from the graveyard. And we had an upstairs that had, a, had a rails all around the balcony. And um, as a little girl, we thought that was, I thought that was special. The way it was structured on the inside, the uh, sanctuary was very uh, different from most that I had seen in those days with uh, the balcony, the steps that going, going up to the balcony and around. That church was especially important to me because uh, that's where I was baptized. Uh, my mother was a Sunday school teacher there for about 30 years. Uh, uh, my girls went to Sunday school there. I particularly enjoyed the close fellowship that everybody had. Uh, it was an exciting day when we came to the new church, but it was a little bit sad because of leaving all those pleasant memories. Uh, but I remember the day that everybody marched from the old church to the new church and that was very exciting. I think this sanctuary was totally filled that day and maybe overflowing. Preacher Jenkins used to come by my house. You know, I lived there close, just one house between us. He used to come to my house on a Sunday night after church and eat cornbread and milk. Mr. Ferrara was the pastor when we were married. Uh, Tom and I were married. He was noted for having long prayers, and sometimes he would pray 10 to 12 minutes. And I know one person in the congregation timed him one time because everybody was standing and several of the elderly people got tired and would sit down. And I think they said he prayed for 14 minutes one time. <laughs> the first one I really remember hearing preach was a Mr. Green. And I guess one reason I remember him so was that he had a daughter who was about my age. And uh, then after that came Mr. Jenkins. Who baptized you? Preacher Jenkins. And Preacher Jenkins was the preacher, and he was a wonderful man. We were all crazy about him, but he was so forgetful. One day he went to the post office, he drove up there and walked home. He forgot he took his car, but he was a marvelous man. And well, Mr. Jenkins was an interesting person. He was a great preacher. He could preach in the pulpit without any notes and quote um, scripture. Reverend J.R. Green was the first pastor when I was a little girl. And oh, I loved him. He was such a sweet person. And he just treated me like I was one of his own kids. And then when he left, Reverend J.O. Jenkins came and he stayed for 26 years. And he had four children and I played with them. I stayed over at their house most of the time. And he was a real, real sweet person. I thought a lot of Mr. Jenkins. The dinners on the ground, sometimes they were under the big oak trees at the old church. Sometimes we would gather at the springs where they had a picnic area. You know, we would have dinner on the ground and we didn't go home after lunch. We had a program in the afternoon that lasted maybe to four or five o'clock and nobody was in any hurry to leave.
between 1967 and 1969, the college had classes in those buildings up there, and the church used them on Sunday. It was uh, sharing a facility. But there's always been a close relationship between Gardner-Webb and Bowling Springs Baptist Church. I just finished writing a history of Gardner-Webb, and the two have certainly interacted and supported each other in many ways, beginning with the founding of the uh, school and getting its charter and the uh, school opening its doors to students for the first time in 1907. There's been a very close relationship between the school and the church. Reverend J.L. Jenkins was uh, not only pastor of the church from 1927 to 1952, but uh, served as the president of Gardner-Webb but I've seen some change in the music in the church. You know, we just sang the hymns, and now we have contemporary, and you know, some of the things the young folks like, I've seen that change, and we never did have a guitar playing in church, but we had that now, and that's fine. Uh, any kind of an instrument's fine in the church. Never had any problems. You know, some churches have fusses, and. Carol, we've never had that here. I think we've come a long way. We've improved, and uh, we stuck together. We've never had any real bad falling out and breaking up like a lot of churches. I think we've got a lot to be thankful for that. We've had disagreements, but we've never just, you know, split and had another church coming out of our church.
Good morning, everyone. It is, it is, it is so wonderful to see you. So many of you uh, conjure up in me such feelings of joy. To look at your faces, many of you whom I've not seen in a long while, it's just a great thing. Thank you so much, Keith, for your trust and for your welcomeness to allow me to come and be a part of your birthday, your church's birthday. I heard uh, Pastor Green mention today, some of you may not know, that uh, Pastor Green was in Drexel First Baptist Church, where I was pastor, before he came to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where he was pastor. So I followed Pastor Green twice, and only by virtue of his history, and I've always heard the same, what a lovely and delightful man he was. It's good to see Bonnie again. It's a reminder of good days that we enjoyed here in ministry as we shared. And Bill Elliott, of course, was uh, involved in bringing me here. I saw the lens of kind of working through the life of this church through him and Catherine and, of course, Sonia, whom I am very thoughtful of today, Sonny Huggins, Charles Mack, and Thurlin Osborne. All of them converged on us, Francis and me, in our home in Drexel. And uh, we felt God's pull to come to this place. Of course, Susan, who helped navigate me through the first few days, and Sherman Parrish was the chairman of the deacons uh, that allowed me to kind of reduce my anxiety about being in this place. Many of you have nurtured our families and uh, have loved uh, us, and we have had the chance to love you. And I know Francis joins me in saying thank you for the time that we enjoyed here together. We left here 25 years ago, and uh, that's a long time ago at least, but 25 years ago, and uh, as you might note, if you can get it up on the screen, uh, uh, my appearance has changed. Uh, I need these more than I've ever needed them, and uh, I grew up and grew a mustache. So I'm, I'm a grown-up now. But, you know, it's amazing how you all look just the same. <laughs> liar, liar, your pants are on fire. Uh, interesting enough, I went to my 50th class reunion this weekend. I am so thankful for uh, badges with names on them and pictures. We change. Uh, change, of course, as we know that old tried saying is the only thing that is constant, is our changingness. Change is a way that we find ourselves reflecting oftentimes. On this particular day in history, we know 15 years ago, both our nation and our world has changed. No argument on that, is there? There has been a lot of change in these last 15 years, not only in our culture, but also in our ethos. The way we view others, the way we view our spiritual life, the way we look at church, there's been a lot of change. And we don't have to go over the list of things that have changed in society and changed in the way we think about how we relate to one another and to the world. 
I chose this text this morning in Psalm 127 um, for intentional reasons. I chose it because if you are, I know some of you are studying the Psalms, you may be aware that it was in the crisis of the destruction of another building, the temple, in 586 B.C., and the ensuing exile that created a crisis for the people of God. That which was visible was no longer visible. Their place of worship was gone. The way they, their whole activity of life was disturbed. And now they were forcibly taken into exile in Babylon. And it was there that some would kind of whisper, do you remember the old songs back when? And the psaltery and the, the stories wrapped up in the psalms were begun to sung and then later written, collected and made. They began to philosophize. Books like Ecclesiastes and Job and all those books sort of became to emerging as they reflected on their crisis, their 9-11. They began to wonder about who God is and where God wants his people to be. When they finally got liberated and were able to return back to Israel, back to the Holy Land, they weren't enthusiastic about rebuilding the temple. It took much longer to build it. Some might say that they had uh, particularly three attitudes, antagonistic toward building. God had let them down. That's where the Job idea sort of comes from. Where is God in all this mix? There was a sense of apathy. Why at all? And there was that feeling of wonder and ambivalence. Maybe so, maybe not. After 9-11, some of the greatest uh, researchers began to believe that we would see a great revival in America, that everyone would love church again and would want to go back to God, and there would be a revitalization of faith. Folks would want to know Jesus. They'd want to know his church. Well, they were right on, on at least half of that. At the end of that period of time where we began to research about 9-11, really what we found is an emergent spirit, a love for Jesus, but not a love for the church. You may not agree, but it's been my observation, this is anecdotal, as a pastor who's watched culture and at least watched my own sort of little area of culture. How people would say to me, I love Jesus, but I don't really love the church. It's hard news, but it's real news. That there is indeed a, a genuine interest. One of the most popular courses in Harvard University is the course on Jesus. People are still interested in Jesus, but they've lost faith in the church. It's a new group of people. They have a title. They're called the Seekers. They are seeking. They are seeking something. In fact, those who have surveyed 
through what we call church growth surveyors, will say, though, that the, the seeker, this new, we call millennial, this new youth generation, doesn't love the church because they feel it has no relevance. It doesn't relate to anything in life. It's about somewhere else, but it's not about life as we know it. It's not existential. Those who are surveyed, these, these seekers are saying, we love Jesus, but we're, we don't believe the church is where it's indeed at. Because they're not looking for a place to hang out, just to hang out. They're looking for a place that does mission, that makes a difference. They're looking for a place where there's honesty, where the pulpit freely speaks about questions that we all deal with. Not just what we, you know, sometimes we stifle ourselves in the midst of our questioning. This new seeker crowd is in search, and we read, and in terms of, quote, from this survey that I recently read, that 70% believe, still believe, that in life there is an ultimate purpose and plan for everybody. And that's a great place to start. Truthfully, wherever we are in life on the continuum of faith, we all still believe at some level that there is a plan and purpose for our lives. When I was a young uh, teenager, my pastor, Billy Klein in Asheville, he would shake my hand and he would say, Buddy, God has a wonderful plan for your life. I thought that was very personal. He did it to everyone. <laughs> But I heard it personally. He said, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And it, he wasn't talking about ministry. Do you know and believe that God has a wonderful plan and purpose for your life? Isn't that what motivates God to create and has created because God in his mind had a wonderful plan for this world and we're a part of it. We're a part of this wonderful plan that God has. He loves the world and he loves you. And his purpose is still the same. There is a search today, when we think of Founders Day, the days in which we observe we were formed and born here in Boiling Springs under some brush arbor, I'm told, as I read A Dream for Tomorrow, that somehow 65 people got together and decided to build an old meeting house. And get this. Some of those folks walked as far away as five miles 
to come hear a fiery sermon. <laughs> I hope that's not mythology. It was a commitment to an idea that if they built it, they would come. And come they did. But like that fantasy flick you remember watching years ago, you remember that, that part in Field of Dreams? He will come. And so the farmer destroys his corn and builds a ball field. And out of that crazy notion, he built this ball field. And out steps out of the cornfield, Shoeless Jackson. Shoeless Jackson, who's from that Chicago White Sox infamous team that threw the World Series. Build it and they will come. That's the way Baptists used to do it years ago. We just build it and they came. A million more in 54. Now some of you will never. How many of you all understand that? A million more in 54 at Calvary Baptist Church where I served our pastor there, Mr. Lane. He along with several others, they built a brand new Sunday school complex. We had 900 people in Sunday school there in West Asheville. 900. They built it. And they came. That's gone. It's gone. The first time I laid eyes on this building, I was over there what now is some kind of Hardee's or whatever. I, I had been approached by the search committee and I hid behind a tree. I didn't want you to see me over there. No, I came in kind of like the Lone Ranger. And I looked around the tree and I saw this magnificent building with such a towering steeple that if you had gone up a few more feet, you'd have to put a blinker on it to keep the airplanes from maybe losing sight of where they were. And the first time I looked inside this beautiful sanctuary, it, it occurred to me that God was about to do something good, I hoped. But I recognize also in the quote of David Allen Coe, who, by the way, is no, uh, he's a lyricist for Johnny Paycheck, country music star, who once said, it is not the beauty of a building you should look at but it's the construction of the foundation that will stand the test of time the foundation of this church is something you cannot see all I could see was what I could see but the underpinning of the church the foundation is indeed the most important part. And the foundation is twinfold. The Bible made it clear, unless the Lord builds it, it's really empty. It isn't about our traditions that will make us stand. It's finding some new founders 
some new people who think new, who think like founders. This church won't necessarily be here in a hundred years. It may transform into something new. It may not look like it is. The presence of a screen in your church already Do you know that young people today are more visual than they are? They don't listen like they see. Learning has changed. The way we communicate the gospel has to change. We have to become new founders. Think like new founders. The burden of our church is not to sustain our church as it is. But it's to think like a new founder, which I think is found in this text. The new founders have to believe that everything depends on our reliance on God. Not on our talents, though we have many. Not on our good looks, which we have a lot of in the room. Not on our charisma, our personality, not on our giftedness or scholarship. It must be a reliance on Almighty God. Unless the Lord builds it, we're wasting our time. This is a spiritual organism. It is not a religious organization. It's a bunch of folks that are reliant on God and his spirit. Jesus made it clear, you remember? You can do nothing apart from me. That's good news. The great news is God's in it. Henry Blackaby said once said in his book, Experiencing God, find out where God is and join him. Not the other way around. God, join us. But join God. The new founders rely on God. The new founders, like watchmen on the wall, always looking out and watchful of where God is and what he's about. I divert. Francis and I were thinking today about an illustration in our lives. When I was first in seminary, I didn't have enough talent to get a church anywhere. I was, didn't preach, didn't have any sermons, and certainly didn't have a record of preaching. I liked some of the preacher boys at Southern Seminary. So I found a friend, and we had, a, had to do a mission project, and I became a bar minister. I had a collar, and every Saturday night I went to 3rd Street, Louisville, and we had three honky-tonks that my friend Danny and I would go in. Oh, we're going to save the world, including drunks. And so I brought one home with me. 
And we put him on our old used futon in there in the living room. Francis was horrified. We had a new baby. I'm bringing in this guy. Oh, he needs Jesus. And I laid him out there on the futon, inebriated. That's a nice word of saying, flat drunk. He woke up not even really knowing where he was. The next day he was in my house. And I took him to my church, my student pastor out there in Westport, Kentucky. After it was over, as agreed, I brought him back to 3rd Street. I said, Rex, what do you think about my church today? Pause in the back seat. And we remember him saying, Preacher, some of your church members sure could use a drink. And I let him out. I was hurt. He was not just a sot. Listen to me now. This is important to me, and it's been my philosophy. He became my prophet. See, the watchman watches for the, quote, enemy. And the best people to find out what the church ought to be doing are the critics out there. And we need to listen. If we would but listen to the seekers and those who are telling us that we could use a drink. The best compliment paid the church at Pentecost was, you all are drunk. They were drunk. On the new wine of the Spirit. And that's why Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you just had asked me for that special kind of water, out of you would have come flowing that eternal water of life. Becoming new founders is not easy because listening is hard. Listening to the critical aspects of our own selves, being self-critical, and listening to the critics. To become a new founder is to rest also. You see that? Even as you labor all day and all night and then you go to bed in verse 2, it says, remember this, the Lord is doing great things while you sleep. You thought that you were necessary. That's where it's comical. I'm not necessary. My whole philosophy of ministry, and, and I'm sure yours is, not I have to, not I want to, but I get to. I get to join God in reaching folks with this plan and purpose for life and living and love. I get to. To be a new founder is to have a spirit of, I get to do this. I get to be a missionary. And I can seek out the seeker 
and tell him at Bowling Springs Baptist Church and other churches as well, you can find your plan and your purpose because we found it. And it brings us joy. One of the things I have become aware of as I have become now a senior adult, I recall a time in this church when I was accompanied, accompanying my senior members to Fort Caswell for a senior adult retreat. I'm the age I was, you know, they were. And I went to a senior, and I roomed with Roy Green. I roomed with Roy. I roomed with Roy a lot of ways. I went to the snack shop sometimes 4, 30, 5 in the morning because I knew he was open and have coffee. I loved Roy Green, no, no more than anyone, but I loved Roy Green. He sat right there. He'd have his open Bible. He was not a lettered man. He, wouldn't, he was very humble, as you know, if you remember him. And while at Fort Caswell, we roomed together, and I had this strange feeling someone was watching me in the middle of the night. It disturbed me. You've had those sense someone's looking at you. It was an early, early pre-dawn moments that I had this feeling. I poked my eye open just a little. And Roy Green, his head bowed, looking at me, praying. And when I'd see him in church, I felt the energy that here was a person that knew what we should all know as founders, new founders, hopefully, that in the spirit rest, God can handle our future, can handle our present, can deal with anything. We can turn over and go to sleep and know that the one that we rely on will open our eyes to the opportunities about us and allow us also to rest. We work too hard at this Christian faith. We make it more than it should be. It's about rest, resting in God's ability, trusting. And I think it does begin and end, really, with prayer. Prayer is the ultimate way, the most visible and certainly the most helpful way to say, I know I can do nothing, God, apart from you. And as a church, it's in your hands, God. I don't have to worry. I can only have to be faithful. And be a watchman on the wall again and look out and see where my opportunities are and to rely on them. The young prophet Jeremiah said it this way, experiencing just prior to the exile and the destruction of that there 9-11, these familiar words, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Here this is a church, church. God knows the plans I have for us, plans for our welfare and not for calamity, to give us 
an even better future and a marvelous hope. It'll work if we become new founders. I pray that we'll find some in this place who will seek and rest and know, apart from God, we can indeed do nothing. May God lead us, is my prayer. Amen. Our hymn of invitation is present here or printed in your bulletin. Our pastor will come forward. God should lead you to an act of public declaration of your faith, acceptance of Jesus Christ, renewal of your faith. I don't know, maybe you've decided to become a new founder with a new generation that's still here and still waiting to come. Let's stand and sing together faithfully, shall we? I'm sorry, I didn't mention you earlier. Glad you're here today as well. Um, thank you for that message, buddy. I was reminding, um, if there are those, let me just say this too, a little commercial. Uh, there are those who are interested in learning more about Boiling Springs Baptist. We started a new members class today, but yes, it is for new members, but it's for those who would like to just learn more about the church. And so Buddy has, has kind of planted some seeds of excitement in about our past. Uh, those seeds were already there in many of us, but uh, helped them. You've watered them and you've helped them to grow. But what I was telling the class this morning is that, um, you know, the, the word January comes from a lot of our months of the year come from different Roman influence. And it's uh, Janus, I think the, the Roman God that had the two faces, one looking back and one looking front. And so it's important for us as a church that we look back to our past, to see from whence we have come, and to learn those who have sacrificed, those Roy Greens that prayed for us, and those others who have committed and given and taught us and, and things. And so it's important to understand that as we look to the future. And it's much like that car windshield. That front windshield is big, but we have that small rear view mirror up there 
that we do need to look to the past some as well. But that the big windshield, the, the large window that we need to look to is that, is that big windshield. So, buddy, thank you for taking us back to the past, but pointing us toward our future as well. And that future has great potential. Glad you're here today. We hope all of you will stay for the lunch. I know there's plenty of food ready to go that's probably getting cold. And so why don't we uh, uh, conclude this service? But, buddy, we're glad you're here today. And I'm going to ask uh, for, uh, for you and Francis, um, why, don't, uh, why don't we have you guys go ahead and, and be ready to go out uh, so you can get in line and, and get some food? I was going to say, or would you rather stay in here and chat with folks? If you do that, you're going to be the tail end. So why don't, you guys, why don't you guys go ahead and come over here, buddy, and you guys head on out and get first in line and encourage each of you to come by and speak with buddy uh, at, at lunch today. So thank you, buddy. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for, uh, Lord, reminding us through the words of buddy and, Lord, through the video of, of those who have gone on before us here at Boiling Springs and paved the way, these founding fathers, if you will. But, Lord, you are looking for new founders and so, Father, help us to take up the mantle and accept the call to serve you in this place and in this community in the ways that you would have us to. We're grateful for this day. We're grateful for what you're doing here, not only this day, but what you're doing here in the midst of our people and what you, um, we anticipate great things in the weeks and months and years ahead. So, Father, help us to know our place as we seek to be these new founding, uh, these new founders. Well, we love you. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. We thank you for the food that we're about to receive. Amen.